Start the adventure. Live the dream. International living, exploring, investing, and retiring. Light on Living Abroad shines the spotlight on how life can be better with life abroad. We'll explore owning investment properties in emerging markets, how to manage those assets effectively to increase your wealth. You'll learn the important steps involved in buying, renting, and building overseas. With safety lifestyle lessons and guidance to where to enjoy the most beautiful scenic locations, you'll discover where your best international investment property is waiting for you. Light on Living Abroad takes you there. Welcome on board. want to set up a new life or a business in another country. Perhaps start a new chapter as you retire, or maybe expand your portfolio and put a fun spin into your financial planning. During this show, we want to help you explore new ways of generating income with international real estate, share with you about affordable housing while living in paradise, and teach you how to preserve wealth in a sustainable way. With us today is Will Roadhouse, CEO and founder of Compass Group International, the number one real estate brokerage in the Central American country of Costa Rica, (laughs) also the number one real estate consulting firm in Central America. Compass's private division provides an exclusive offshore asset management portfolio services for high net worth clients seeking better returns on asset protection in emerging countries and Asia and Latin America. Welcome, Will. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, absolutely wonderful to have you. We all need to have this in our lives. Absolutely. Uh, If you don't mind, I just want to correct you on one thing. We are the number one real estate consulting company, uh, not brokerage. Oops. Okay. I just want to let you know. but no yeah, problem. But uh, number one, number one, number one always sounds good. But I just wanted to <laughs> because there are a lot of top real estate brokerages in Central America, but we are just a consulting company, uh, which we can go over uh, later in the show. Okay, great. And you know what? Th- that's a great word for consulting too, because you are kind of the people who I know I would want to consult with about international living, travel. I mean, you've done some fabulous things. Like you guys really know what international countries are like. Uh, as, as for example, Thailand. I mean, you're there and you're exploring and you've been living and you're finding out. If I would love to learn more about Thailand and what's what's going on over there right now. Sure. Well, right now it's 4 a.m. here, uh, so it's early, early in the morning. And uh, but uh, the one thing is, is that the reason why uh, we've kind of expanded, as you just mentioned, uh, from a real estate traditional real estate brokerage, is because we offer so much more. Uh, whether it comes from individuals like yourself uh, that's looking for, you know, wealth preservation, looking to expand your assets overseas with income generating real estate, or if you're a commercial real estate developer or you want to buy or or build a hotel, that's where the consulting end comes. And that's why my business partner and I, Dean Studebaker, have expanded our services to become more of a consulting firm as opposed to just a real estate brokerage. And I love, thank you for bringing up Dean. We're going to have Dean on, on the next show too. So that's, we're going to get a little bit of taste of everything here. Um, at four o'clock in the morning, my goodness, that is a very early. I'm glad that you could join us. And when, when we're talking about, um, I, I brought up retiring, I brought up living, I brought about, you know, investing and just, and just 
having a whole new addition to to someone's portfolio and, and life really when what can you get, share with us what would be a, a number one or a few number one benefits of of just going so diverse and being so like let's leave our country and and not leave it but invest somewhere else what are the benefits to that well, there are a tremendous amount of benefits, and I, I've actually been up for the last 12 hours. So I'm sure we, you've all heard um, 12 hours ago, uh, there was an active shooter in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is my home in the States. And it's, I mean, it absolutely breaks my heart. It's very disheartening what happened, uh, all the loss of lives, all the people that have been injured, all just pure nonsense because of just anger and hatred from one individual. And Lisa, the reason why I bring that up is, is that, uh, you know, over a decade ago, I started seeing this change. I'm not the type of person, and please, uh, I want to make this very, very clear for the listeners out there, is that I'm not an individual, nor would you hear it from anyone on our staff, or Dean Studebaker, which is my business partner and COO. We don't hate America. We're not those kinds of expats. We love the United States. We love the country. But the reason why we chose to live abroad, for an example, you know, here in Asia, and when you get Dean on the show, I know he's in Costa Rica, is because of lifestyle, lifestyle changes, which I'll go over in just a minute, but also the culture. It's the one thing that I've always noticed, Lisa, is that you know, here I am, I'm living either in Newport Beach, California, or Las Vegas, Nevada, and living these, you know, these master plan communities for years and years, but I don't even know my next door neighbor. Nobody knows each other. Everybody's so scared to wave. Everyone is so, it's just, it's such a different culture. And I didn't want to be around that anymore. I wanted to be around people in a culture where it's still outgoing, where people aren't scared. And and that's one of the reasons why I'm here in Thailand, specifically in Bangkok. Is Lisa, right now I'm looking out my window. So I, I live in a penthouse level of my condo. And I'm, and I'm looking out the window, and there are still people eating. There are still people walking around the streets. You know, it's if I were to open the window right now, you would hear all this traffic and and and, and music because it's it's a city of life, and that's I was what say I love. Life. Yeah, the celebration United of life. States, exactly. The United States is is a very. This is the way my mom uh, puts it. It's a very comfortable place to live. You don't have a lot of congestion away from your areas like, you know, Southern California or, or New York. Or, but for the most part, it's a very comfortable place to live. It's not congested. Uh, but the thing is, is that it bores me. Is Lisa, I need, uh, I need a, an active lifestyle. I want to be able to walk anywhere, you know, within two to three minutes. I can get to a coffee shop, get something to eat. Uh, get fresh fruits and vegetables, my gym, my Muay Thai uh, trainer, uh, you know, massage parlors to get my deep tissue massages or get a facial all within five minutes of walking from my condo. That is one of the reasons why I'm here. And the other mm. reason too, Lisa, is that you're going to love it, especially from someone like yourself that, that lives in a very, very expensive area in Canada where, where home prices are just astronomical. We're here in, in Bangkok you know, there are still condos that are under $100,000. And it's just like living in New York. Exactly. And it's like living in New York for a fraction of the price. So that is why I'm here. 
And so that's where it comes in that you can literally live in affordable housing in paradise and in each of our own, what we call paradise. For you, it's that closeness, that proximity to anything that you want and the activity and to have, be stimulated and to have interaction and, and with the lifestyle. Speaking of which, which you just said, if it's 4 a.m. and people are eating, that's a really cool thing. Now, I know you love food and not just food, food to eat food, but just to experience food. Now, that's something that really takes people, they want to travel to experience that. And and share with us about the food, like that. what's so different, what's so exciting about it, and, and give us some examples of some stuff. Well, here's, a, here's the interesting thing is whenever you talk to somebody about international travel or even domestic travel, what's the first thing they bring up? Food. Restaurant. It's like, what did you You're go right. and eat? Exactly. Yeah. Even if you're in the United States, if you went to some place in the Midwest, you know, you're talking about great barbecue. Or if you're in the Pacific Northwest or you're in the East Coast, you're talking about seafood. You know, or if you're in the Southwest, you're talking about great Mexican food. But here, there's food everywhere. And Lisa, I'm the type of person that I love to cook and I'm a fantastic cook. But with that being said, I hate cooking, Lisa. I despise oh, I, I don't want, I don't like shopping for food. I don't like prepping food. I don't like cooking food. I don't want to wash up after that because it's all just a hassle to me. But the fact that I love food is that I can go anywhere here in Bangkok and have first class cuisine for $1.50, $2, and get this Lisa is that here's the thing is a lot, the misconception is, is that as a foodie and I love all different types of food. So I'm not picky when it comes to food is that people have the misconception as, oh my God, so Will, you live in Bangkok. So, I mean, isn't eating Thai food every single day just kind of bores you? Well, first of all, it doesn't because Thai food is one of my favorite because it's, it's such a wonderful cuisine that has that sweet, sour, and spicy, that unami kind of flavors to it. But the fact is, is that I have access to brutal cuisine everywhere. I can, mm. I can get, I can, uh, I can get fantastic pizza that's made from people that's actually from Italy, from actual Italians. I can great, get great Japanese food, Chinese food, Korean food. There's a wonderful all you can eat Korean barbecue restaurant right across the street from where I live, and all you can eat barbecue is only $9 as opposed to $20 or $30 in the United States or Canada. Now, so, why so is that? Why, uh-huh. How are they able to do that? It's, it's the cost of living. So for an example, if you look at your average Thai person, they make about a dollar to $2 a day. So because oh of that, it's, it's not like they can afford, you know, these extravagant, well, it's not even extravagant meals. So the last time when I was in the States, Lisa, I went to a burger place. Uh, what's that place called? Um, it's not smash burger, but it's the, it's the other burger that's very well known. So to get a cheeseburger, fries and a drink, it cost me $12, $12 just for an average burger and fries and a drink. We're for $12 here in Bangkok. I can basically eat for three days and it's first class food. Wow. That, you know what, that's where that, that whole thing, I think you, you have um, a video out that how to live, how to live for a thousand dollars a month or less. And I, now I can see why and how. Because like for like you said, like three days and and eat beautiful foods and tasty foods and and they really so in Bangkok there they're really embracing other cultural food as you said too like the, everything. 
it's everything. It's it's very very. Uh, should I say is not a lot of people realize this until they come here to Bangkok is we live here in a huge melting pot. And what I mean by that is we have a huge Japanese community. And also in addition to that is not a lot of people know this, but the Chinese have been coming to Thailand for hundreds of years. I can't exactly tell you how much because I forgot the history, but there's a huge Chinese population here in Thailand, especially in Bangkok. So we have world-class Chinese and Japanese food. But in addition to that is, for an example, we have areas where uh, we have some of the best Middle Eastern cuisine, whether it's from you know Lebanon or or just you know some some great shawarmas, or if I want to uh, get Mexican food, there's a great Mexican restaurant. If I want to get Brazilian churrascaria, which is Brazilian uh, barbecue, there's a fantastic place on on Sukhumvit. That is why it's a huge melting pot from people all over the world, not just not just Asian people. There are there are in my building, there are people from Australia, from New Zealand, all over the UK, all over Europe. I don't have quite a lot of Americans, but as far as English speaking individuals, Australia, New Zealand and UK is king here in Bangkok. You know, I'm glad you brought up the language thing because this is, I'm going to tie this in when I go to a restaurant or I'm going to go eat stuff. I do love the authenticity of it, whether it's a melting pot or not. What about the music? Like, do you have music that's really like just tossing you right into the feeling and, you know, is it, is it English or is it not? Is it what, how authentic is that as well to it? Here's a great thing about living in Bangkok. So the biggest concern that most people have that are looking to live abroad, either part-time or full-time, or even work in a different country, is language barrier. That's always everyone's fears. I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Thai. I don't speak Mandarin. I don't speak Japanese. But when you live in a very in a world-class city like Bangkok, everybody or many, many people speak English. I mean, Lisa, I have been, for an example, so Dean and I, have been working in and out of Latin America for 15 years, but we don't speak Spanish fluently because everybody that we work with and that we're around speaks English. And the same here in Bangkok. I've been coming in and out of the country, living here part-time, and also live part-time in Taiwan. And I don't speak Mandarin. I don't speak Taiwanese. I don't speak Thai because everybody wants to learn how to speak English. So for an example, when I'm somewhere and I'm with friends that are my Thai friends, they're like, I want to practice my English on you. Let's speak English. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's speak Thai because I want to learn Thai. But everybody wants to learn. Everybody wants to learn English. And so language barrier, Lisa, when it comes down to here in Bangkok, not a problem at all. There's no language barrier. So now that I'm completely excited to, you know, taste the foods and see all the, the diverse culture and people and everything. Now I'm, I know I'm thinking, okay, great. What if I were to decide I do. I do want to have an investment property um, in Bangkok in my portfolio. And now we, I know that they speak English. Are my how do I get? Is there any barriers? Like, do I need to overcome either contract barriers? Like, how does how does one do that? How what is what are the steps we would take or go to to do this? Very good question, and it's actually one of the top questions I'm asked all the time. So, one of the great benefits of living in Thailand is that foreigners like yourself and like myself, so whether you're Canadian or from the United States or anywhere outside of Thailand, foreigners can own condos 
fee simple as if you do in Canada or the United States. But it's but for an example, there's a certain law that applies. So foreigners, we can't own land, we can't own single-family homes or townhomes. We could still buy them, but they go in a corporation, and, and within that Thai corporation, 51% ownership is owned by a Thai national. And there are attorneys that do that for you. So, but for someone like myself and some of our clients, we don't like that. We always like fee simple ownership. So what the most important thing is, is that in Thailand, we look for buildings that have a lot of 51% of the building for foreign ownership. So for an example, my building here. So 51% of the owners in my building right here that I live in is a lot of foreign ownership. So I live in my condo, my two-bedroom condo, free and clear. And here's another great thing too, Lisa, is that when you look at the average, the average individual in North America, so Americans and Canadians, uh, they, the demographics is they're extremely high in debt. They still have a mortgage. 99.9% uh, .9 of people still have a mortgage, and they're going to pay that for the rest of their lives. And when, when they're attempting to buy investment properties – they're not generating any sort of income from the investment properties because they're not buying those properties outright. They're putting 5% down, 10% down, or 20% down. Even with 20% down, they're still not breaking even because of high property taxes, association dues, and so forth. But that's how we differ here in Bangkok or in Thailand, is that here in my condo is that you know, you can buy a two-bedroom, two-bath condo in that mid-100,000 range. So let's just make the numbers easy, and let's just say it's $150,000 for a two-bedroom condo. And, and it's like living in New York. You know, you're within walking distance to everything, and you're in a great neighborhood. But the nice thing is, so it's affordable. So when I want to buy, um, you know, investment real estate to generate a monthly income for, uh, you know, for um, for monthly uh, – which what I'm looking for, uh, for a monthly investment, I can buy pieces of real estate anywhere in Thailand or even in my backyard here in Bangkok starting at $50,000. A $50,000 condo would generate $300, $300 a month. And Lisa, the crazy thing is, is that if you don't have a mortgage, like I don't have a mortgage here, I can live very, very well, pay all my bills, still have two massages, a week, uh, a facial every other week. Uh, I, I, I join a, a first-class Muay Thai gym slash CrossFit gym, and I never cook at home, Lisa. I never cook at home. I don't have to own a car, you, and I do it all for the thousand dollars It's all for the $1,000 a month. And you know what? I, I love that you just said um, about how affordable that really is for 50000 I was going to ask, is it um, can foreigners own multiple properties? Or do we have a limit? Yes. Yes, we can own multiple properties. And so some of my clients, you know, we're, uh, we're buying buildings. So for an example, if, you know, a building, a new brand new building opens up with 51% ownership, you know, we'll have, um, you know, I'll, I'll buy a whole floor for, uh, for clients. Uh, mm -hmm. And the nice thing too, Lisa, is that imagine this. So I live in a beautiful building. Uh, the building's only three years old. Take a wild guess. So I have all the amenities. I have a beautiful pool, beautiful gym. And again, I'm within walking distance to everything. Take a wild guess what my monthly association dues are here. 
Oh my goodness. Like, I mean, even on the cheapest, if I, cause I'm trying to think of something cheap, the cheapest would be, I'm thinking 300. No, I pay $40 a month, but it's so oh low. I paid annually. And my oh. bill is immaculate, Lisa. Immaculate. Unlike, un- unlike, like I, you know, I've owned very, you know, luxury buildings in Las Vegas, in, in Southern Florida, in Hawaii, where association dues are 500 to $1,000 a month. Yeah. But it's not even not. as clean as my buildings or my units here in Thailand. It's immaculate. There are people that clean every single day. Lisa, I can walk from, from my condo right here, and I can walk downstairs to the gym barefoot, and my feet will be clean because they oh mop it every single morning. Every single I have to, laugh at you, have to laugh at you saying that because I am a barefoot girl, and that's the number one thing that I always – my feet are always so – I mean, I clean them all the time. But they're all, yes, I know what you're saying is just be able to walk smoothly across and, and not think about you know, what's under there. But I'm glad that that shows a high level of respect that, that they have for their own property as well. And being – whether it's 51 or 49 or whatever it is, it sounds like the people there all together are just really appreciative – to be living life. They want to celebrate with the food and where they live and what they're surrounded by and, and the types of people that are, that are there. Um, I want to ask really quick too about uh, just getting around. Um, are we, are, does everybody have a car? Do we have parking place? I mean, here in Toronto where I am, it's, it's just, it's hell trying to have a vehicle and, and parking is as expensive as a condo in Thailand. <laughs> Driving is the most annoying thing that I despise. And, you know, living in Southern California, in Orange County, whenever I have to go to L.A., I despised it because I could never find parking. You go to New York, you never find parking. You go to Miami, you never find parking. Driving to me is an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience in so many ways. Is that not just the fact that you're paying an astronomical fee for a regular vehicle. Then in addition to that is you're paying a, another ridiculous fee uh, for uh, – for the, uh, what do you call it, insurance, where here in, in Thailand, I don't have to own a car. You don't have to own a car because public transportation, Lisa, at all hours. So I'm, so, okay, so right now, so I'm looking out my window right now, is that I could see taxis all along the street. And, and, it's, wow. and it's right now, it's 4.26 a.m., taxis, and it's extremely cheap. And then in addition to that is, but more so than ever, is that I walk. I walk everywhere, Lisa. And then, but I take, my second form of transportation is taking the BTS, which is a SkyTrain. And the SkyTrain is very, very reasonable. It runs from like uh, early in the morning till midnight. And Lisa, unlike taking the subway like in New York or, or in San Francisco, taking a bar where it's disgusting and dirty and smelly, and and it's just gross. The SkyTrain here in in Bangkok, air conditioned, clean. It's not smelly. It's very very efficient, and it's inexpensive. So to answer your question, I don't have a car, nor do I want one. You had me at air conditioned and inexpensive. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I think this is what I, I love that we're highlighting is that there's a lot of people out there are just sitting back and they're thinking, you know what? There's got to be an easier way to 
whether it's through investment properties or, you know, expanding the portfolio or retiring somewhere that's, whether it's different or not, it's just a safe, uh, like just feeling safe. It's exciting in their lives and it's still helping their, their, the assets. And I think that's what I wanted to make sure that we, we include here at the end of the show is really talking about that. Why are we, why is it a, why would investing abroad be protecting as well as, you know, the active form of, of even increasing our wealth? Like how are we protecting it? Well, a lot of things is, is that, and again, if when someone Googles my name, Will Roadhouse, they'll see my background in financial services from one of the largest financial institutions in the United States or even the world. And my background is in asset and wealth management. And the one thing is that uh, that we always preach to our clients is di- diversify your assets, diversify your assets, diversify your assets. But the mistake that people make, Lisa, is when they think diversifying their assets, they're like, okay, so I am going to diversify my assets by buying different mutual funds. That's not diversifying your assets. Or now people are diversifying their assets with Bitcoin, you know, cryptocurrency, because that's a mad rush right now. But that's not really diversifying your assets. True diversification of your assets is looking for other markets to invest in. So for an example, the United States and Canada are first world nations very rich and powerful nations. So you have real estate in your backyard, whether it's a primary resident you own or a duplex or a fourplex that, that you own by a local university where you're generating income. Well, and then in addition to whatever portfolio you may have, an equities market, you may have a mutual fund, you may have an index fund, you may have some stock in Google and Facebook, but that's not diversifying your assets enough. What we do and what I, what I basically preach is diversifying your assets and buying real estate. And again, a tangible asset, we can generate monthly income in top emerging markets. And, and someone would, would always ask me, it's like, why would I want to invest in like in a second or third world country? My question to them is, why wouldn't you? Is that number one, when you look at when you look at price points, so you look at Facebook, their initial IPO, I think, was like $28 or $30. And now it's you know a couple hundred bucks or whatever, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't really pay attention because I don't buy equities. So you look at the growth of what happened to Facebook. And, 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 and now Facebook is one of the, the largest social media um, you know, uh, platforms in the world. So when I look at Bangkok, when I look at here, when I look at Thailand, or I look at different parts of Southeast Asia, I see that as the beginning. Is first of all, we have one of the firstest birth, one of the largest birth rates in the world is coming out of Asia, and people don't realize this, but India is a part of Asia. So we have lots of people having babies, and when this happens, is that there's a need for more housing. In addition to that, Lisa, is that when you look at growth as far as new millionaires and new billionaires, where are they coming out of? They're coming out of Asia. That means more companies out. You know, from the United States and Canada, from the UK, are outsourcing their business to, you know, to Asian countries. So that brings in more jobs. So when people have more jobs, they're making money, they're moving out of their home, they're upgrading. So that's why I always tell people, it's like, okay, so if you can buy a condo, I mean, think about this, Lisa. When, what year was it? You were probably a little kid at the time. How long ago was it when you can actually buy a place to live? For $50,000. You know what? It wasn't even in my time. It was my parents' time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you can do it because a $50,000 condo, it, over time, it's eventually going to be a $100,000 condo. You know, Warren Buffett says it best. And Tony Robbins says the same exact thing. So many people, and I've seen it myself, so many people make the mistake of making quick money. That's why when you look at the downfall of every single market, from the commodities crash in the 80s to the tech crash in the 90s to the real estate crash in 2007, 2008, then we had the financial crash of all the banks going, you know, going belly up, is people were looking to make fast money. When you make fast money, it also means fast bankruptcies too. But when you look mm-hmm. at real estate, when you look at investing over time, Warren Buffett didn't become a billionaire overnight. He invested over time. It's buy and hold, buy and hold. So, and again, Lisa, my question when I, t- when I, when I talk to people is, why would you want to buy, for an example, is buy in Southern California or buy where you're at, just in Toronto, at a high point. It's like, how much higher can it go? Where, you know, if you're buying a half a million dollar two-bedroom home in Toronto, how much higher can that half a million dollar uh, home go? But when you're buying a fifty dollars or $100,000 condo in a place like Thailand, how much further can I go? A lot more. There's more room I to love, grow. I love that you highlighted that. And in, in closing, this really, first of all, exciting conversation first from, from culture and everything to really about about being smart, about knowing and having an understanding about how, where is our money going? How is our wealth going to be, be preserved or spent? And I want to thank you, Will, for sharing this. And I know we're going to have you back again. Um, but any cl- last closing remarks? We've got 15 seconds to close. But I just, I do want to thank you so much for, for opening our eyes to so many more possibilities. I have one is that obviously do, you know, in light of what happened in Las Vegas, is my heart goes out to them. And Lisa, is that we live in an unsafe world, and it's unsafe everywhere. But the thing is, Lisa, is I feel so much safer living here in Bangkok. I don't have to worry about someone pulling a gun. I don't have to worry about those kind of things. I feel safe here. And isn't that the point of living, is being, being free to go anywhere you want? I just want to end it Safe and happy. Exactly. Thank you so much. We've been listening and sharing and all this time with Will Roadhouse. And we'll be back soon again. Enough with Light on Living Abroad. Thank you for listening.